Good morning. I'm going to start this morning in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we ask that you would open our minds, our hearts to your word. We ask that this morning you'd put out of our minds the things that are distracting us, that are keeping us from being focused. We ask that you would, you would open your word and you would change our hearts in a supernatural way. You'd allow us to see things that we want to change. Convict us so that we're never the same. But God, most of all, help us to remember the sacrifice that you had for us, that you did for us through Jesus Christ. That puts us in a situation where when we open your word, we can see the love that you have for us. So we pray this morning as we look at honoring each other. God, just help us to see ways we can honor those in our community, those we work with, those we go to school with, and those in our family. We say all this in Jesus' name. Amen. My name is John Mueller. I'm the lead pastor here at Sunlight Community Church, and I'd like to welcome you here to church. If you weren't already welcomed earlier, you're welcomed again. Today we're going to be in the book of Romans. And we actually did a series uh, a few years ago that was all the way through the book of Romans. So I'm excited to get back into Romans a little bit. We're going to be in Romans chapter 12. And the series we're in is called Circles. So if this is your first week with us, you're wondering what, why there's a circle there. If you're a math major... If you heard Neil preach a few weeks ago, you're wondering why the circle is not complete, okay? So don't look at that. It's a circle, okay? We're in this because we're looking at how we can apply the Word of God to our personal circles. So our circles being our family, our, our job, maybe, maybe at work or maybe at, at school, and then also in the community. So we have Sunlight Circles meeting this week that are meeting every night of the week, and so Every night of the week, there's an opportunity for you to meet, discuss the sermon a little bit more, but most of all, be in community and find ways that you can serve in the community. And so we have places and times in the app, in the bulletin, on our website. And so today is week nine. Anyone getting a little tired? I mean, it's daylight savings, so I want to wake you guys up a little bit. I've got a question for you. Anyone sleep an extra hour today? Anyone sleep an extra hour? Okay, no one's admitting it. Anyone take an extra hour to get your kids ready this morning? Because that was me. Sorry. Am I the only one raising my hand? Oh, confession moment. So daylight savings when you have kids is basically you waking up at 5 a.m. because that's when they wake up. Because they have no sense that they can sleep in. Like kids don't know they're supposed to sleep in. It's like they don't understand that it's 5 a.m. Oh, the clock says 5 a.m. What does that even mean? Anyways, I just wanted to get that off my chest before we get get into the word here today. So, so today we're going to be talking about honor. And, and questions I have that I want to answer is, how do we honor others? What, what, what kind of things can we do? How do we treat people in ways that say, I value you. I care about you. I value you. Because don't we all want to be valued? I've never met someone that doesn't want to be valued. So that's the question we will be answering this morning. So I'm calling this message, it's pretty simple, just honoring others. Honoring others. So I'm going to tell you a story to start out. And it was one of the most uncomfortable moments of my younger life. 
I was 22, I was a new seminary student, and I had a friend who was the pastor of a Korean church, their English language service in Mishawaka. And so he one Sunday asked me to fill in. So I'm like, yeah, I'll do this. At the time, I was just kind of a fool. I thought I could do things that I really couldn't do. You know, anyone ever have young ideas that you think you can do stuff? So I go up there, I, I preached this service, and it was fine. I mean, it wasn't great. I drove up, and then they have this meal afterwards in the gym, and they ask if I can stay. So I sit down at one of the tables. I go to, to wait for, because they said, you have to sit, and we'll bring you food. And I'm like, okay. So I sit there, and they're like, no, 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 you don't sit there. You sit over there. And I go, and they have me sitting at this table with a bunch of white-haired Korean men. And I didn't know what that was all about. So, because I don't speak Korean, I don't know anything, and I'm sitting there. They put this soup in front of me, and it was moving, okay? I don't know what was going on in it. I don't know if it was a fish, an eel, what it was, but it was moving. I used to be really picky with food, and I'm still that picky. I don't eat moving things, okay? I'm not into moving things. They sit this down. And I started realizing that I was in the seat of honor at this church where I just preached at the English language service. And I was sitting with all these older people that they honored. Because Korean culture, once you have white hair, you are wise. You're, you, you know, you, I'm like the only person at the table without white hair. And I'm like one quarter of their age. And they sat me down there. And I have a confession. The sermon wasn't that good. I mean, I didn't deserve this. Like, are you kidding me? I was a seminary student. I didn't have time to prepare. I, like, did a sermon I'd done, like, four times. I really didn't put a lot of work into it. I was lazy. But then they're sitting me in the seat of honor. And I'm going, what is going on? I, I learned a few things that day. One, there's some things that I don't appreciate. For example, if I want to be honored... Get me something I like, not moving food, okay? Like, if I have to chase down my food with my fork, I am not down for that. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> but, but the second thing is, when you're showing honor, if you're receiving honor, you all also have to realize that you're receiving honor. You know, it's like going to someone's house when you go on a missions trip, and they give you the only food they have. You know, they slaughter the chicken, the only chicken they have for you to eat well, next week they don't have food. That's, that's what these people, they, they were doing that. They were showing honor. And so what I think we miss, sometimes we want to show honor because of how someone else does, how they perform. So we show them honor. We say, man, you deserve this promotion because you just, you beat our record in sales at work. So now we're going to give you a promotion. We're going to honor you. We're going to tell everybody, be like this person. Because you performed, you did well. And so it shouldn't be determined by that, but it should be determined by what God's word says in Romans chapter 12 when it says, outdo one another with honor. Like just, just constantly outdo one another with honor. The most annoying thing about being honorable is opening doors. Okay, can, can I get an amen? Let me, let me explain. You open a door and then 47 people go through. Like you're at Applebee's and it's like, my, my food is over there and it, they already cooked my food because they came over to take my order while I'm holding the door open, you know? 
But that's what God's calling us to do, is, is honor each other. You know, sometimes there's two doors. Like here at church, there's two doors. So someone opens one door, the other person goes and opens the other door, and then you walk out because the other person opened the door for you, and you kind of go back and forth. We're outdoing one another with honor. Back, back to the church I was at. They honored me because that's what they do. There was no question. I bet you I could have gone up there and done a flannel graph sermon. For those of you that have seen flannel graph, flannel graph sermon, you know. And they wouldn't have cared. They still would have sat me at the seat of honor. Because that's what they do. To someone coming in from the outside. So Paul talks to the Roman church in Romans chapter 12. And they're struggling with how do they follow Jesus by showing honor, by loving others. What do, what do we do? And I think we can learn a lot from Paul's example here. So turn with me to Romans chapter 12. I'm going to read the, the verse 9 through verse 13. Most Bibles will say something like the heading will be marks of the true Christian. So you could say these are marks of a true Christian. It says, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Abhor is like something we don't use, but it's like strongly Hate. I hate this so much. Yes, the Bible says hate. But it's hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with a brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. The, the writer of Romans is Paul. He's headed to Rome to what we know now to be his death. He's going to die there. So, and, and he's got some words here that he wants to be remembered by, you might say, that, about how we treat each other. So we start in verse 9. Verse 9 is a bunch of commands. Actually, every verb used through verse 21 is a command. So this is like marching orders. If you've been in the military, this is what my orders are. This is what I need to do. He's outlining what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So there's first, first two verses, there's three key words. Love, good, and honor. We're, we're told to be genuine with how we love each other. And the word here is used is not hypocritical. And hypocritical means to wear a mask. So I don't know about you. But I sound a little weird in here. Do I sound like I'm in like a can or something? Wow. So I don't know about you, but I don't want to walk around looking like a Power Ranger, okay? Like, this is what we're doing. We're walking around, loving people in a fake way, not really caring about what's going on. Genuineness is people actually seeing your face. So when you're feeling like this, you do this. This is what it means to wear a mask. You just have a sad face. So this is what you really feel, but then you're putting on a smile. That's not what this is saying. We love people the way, where they are, how they are. We can fake love. There's all kinds of examples of this. We can say we love others and then talk behind their backs. Anyone ever see the movie Mean Girls? Okay, there's a scene in Mean Girls where this girl walks into school, she's got this skirt on, and the other girl goes, oh, I love your skirt, it's so cool. Da, da, da. She walks past her and she says, that is the ugliest thing I've ever seen. 
Is that how we are, church? False, fake, like, like we're smiling on, the, on our face, but inside we hate each other? Like, that's, that's so hard. We can fake love, but we can also be genuine. We say, I love you to our family, and then treat them worse than acquaintances. You ever think about that? That's really convicting. So we're, we're supposed to resist letting go of what is good. This is like you're hanging on a rope off a cliff and you're going to die. Hold fast because guess what? The alternative is death. Your life is at risk because your life is at risk. It's so, there's so much there. This is so serious because it says hate strongly evil. I know. I just said hate in church. That's actually, in our house, that's like a cuss word. You don't say hate. And think about it. That's the word that God used to describe what is evil. It's not a crime to hate evil because God is calling us to. What is evil is wrong. So another way of describing this love that's supposed to be genuine is that we're supposed to love them like a brother or a sister. Well, many of us might have a bad relationship with our brother or sister. Think about how the word of God describes loving others as a brother and sister. It's a dearly devoted love. It's one that doesn't collapse under pressure. It doesn't matter what anyone else says or does, you still care for that person. Which leads us to how we need to value others. Leads us to to ideas about honor. So to honor others, we consider their needs. I, I pause right there because it's simple. We're impatient, and we don't want to listen to people's needs. Or we choose not to ask questions about their needs. i got a confession to make. It's really easy for me not to ask questions when I'm just exhausted. I just don't want, I know they're going to tell me something they need. I just don't have time. I can't. You, see, you see the mind, like how we think? Instead, Paul here says, if we're going to show honor, we're going to think of others first. We're not looking to fulfill our needs first, but the needs of others. We still value ourselves as much as they are valued, but our mind is first to the other person rather than us. A great example of this is being a parent. You have to take care of your kids, otherwise, guess what? They starve, you know, and they're really young, right? You have, to, you have to take your needs, and they go on the wayside for the sake of another. And so God, as our Heavenly Father, did the same thing with Jesus Christ when he sent him to die for us. So we think of others first. This leads to what it's saying. It says, outdo with showing honor. Think about this. Outdo each other with thinking of each other. Like, we're, it's all external. It's all like, think of, think of the other person as much as you can, and as you do that, outdo each other. Honestly, if we did that all the time, guess what? Everyone would be getting their top five food items at their office, okay? I'm just saying. Like, that's just what we would do. We'd be like, hey, I'm going to bring something to your lunch break. That'd be so awesome. And we'd be like, oh, hey, I'm going to go to your school and help you with this. And, you know, we would, it would be, it would be that, that, that door-opening chain that I talked about earlier, where the door is just open, and people are just opening it for each other, and like, no, I'll open it for you, and this whole, this whole thing, we don't be fighting over how much we can honor each other. That sounds crazy, you know, fighting over, we're outdoing one another. They'd open the second set of doors for you, and then we keep doing that. 
We serve the Lord when we honor others. But, anyone a little overwhelmed at this point? Because you think you have to do things and you can't do everything? That's why to honor others, we need the Holy Spirit. It says, do, do not be slothful. It just means lazy. Don't be lazy with honor. We can't be walking on our own strength and honor others. It's not enough time in the day. There's not enough willpower or energy. Sloth is so serious because it's, it's one of the seven deadly sins. And it continues. We need to be passionate and are earnest in our desire to honor others. Only through the Holy Spirit can we do this. It's, there's no other way. Because it's clear what Paul is talking about here. It's so, so simple, but so hard. We need to rejoice, be patient, and be constant in how we honor others. How do we do that? We rejoice in the hope we have in Jesus Christ. We rejoice in that. We, we're patient during trials. I've had a lot, I had a lot of trials in my childhood that weren't me, but it was my family. And I started realizing that this impatient turmoil that I brought into my 20s was specifically related to the fact that I wasn't patient during those trials. And that God was telling me, you need to be patient. And now I can sit in front of someone and say, I think I've learned a little bit more patience, but I'm not there yet. Because it's, it's on my mind. I need to be patient during trials. And then we're constant in prayer. I mean, it sounds really crazy, but do you talk to God when you drive? And I'm not saying getting mad at the person behind your car or in front of your car. I'm like, I'm saying, do you talk to God when you're driving? Do you talk to God when you're alone? Do you talk to God when you're struggling? Do you talk to God under your breath? We're constant in prayer. And we need the Holy Spirit to do all of that. And so to honor others, we contribute to their needs. It's one thing to figure out what someone's needs are. It's another thing to contribute. You know, the thing I have struggled with in my entire life in the church is when someone tells someone else a need and there's a potential for a little bit more interaction, you know, they can contribute to that need, and the other person goes, I'll pray for you, and turns around and starts another conversation. Because, because to us, it's almost a cop-out. Even if you're praying with someone, you're contributing. You know, like you're actually praying with them physically in the moment, right there, saying, I want to help in the only way I know how. None of us are millionaires. We don't, we, there's not financial ways we contribute. There's not a way, like, I don't have skills, maybe. Maybe you feel like I don't have skills. It doesn't matter. But when we go before the God of the universe, we are contributing to help someone's need. So we contribute in different ways, being hospitable, opening our spaces to other people. But we contribute time, and that might be the most valuable. Contributing time is more expensive than anything that you will have. Bill Gates has been known to say that I only have so much time on this earth, I could care less about money. I only have so much time because that's a limited resource to me. I can always make more money. Talent. So we have certain gifts and talents. Personally, there are things that I am horrible at. So if you receive a phone call, it's probably because I know you're good at something. And 
My wife may not want me to ask you, but I'm going to ask you because I'm in need. I need to figure out how to do this. So we give of our talents, the talents given to us by God to benefit others. And then we give of our treasure. It's our resources. That's not just financial. That's, that's everything. That's holistic. That's, that's maybe that's giving someone a place to stay for a period of time. Maybe that's, maybe that's giving them a used car. I don't know. Like it's, it, it could be anything. But it's our treasure, our physical and financial resources. And it's not enough to talk about contributing. We need to contribute in some way. And I think that's the hard thing. I, the things I thought about when I, when I was preparing for the sermon was, but I can't contribute to everything. And then I started realizing, like, we contribute when we're in prayer. We contribute in other ways. But I think in the back of our mind, if we're concerned about us before we're concerned about others and how we contribute then we're not actually going to contribute at all. Or maybe there's a way that God is, is telling us in our heart to contribute to someone else's need. So turn with me to verse 14. And verse 14 gets even more and more in-depth about this. What, what does it mean to honor others? Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who are rejoiced. Weep with those who weep. Right there, weep with those who weep. That is... Something that the church, I'm talking big church, every church struggles with. It's really hard. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. These are all the opposite of what I, I want to do. These are the, all the opposite of what we want to do. When someone hurts us, what do we do? We lash back out. Or maybe we take it out on our spouse because our spouse is not going anywhere and I can't, I can't get mad at my boss. Or maybe as a kid, I know that if I do this, my parents are going to discipline me, but if I act out somewhere else, I'm okay. We don't want to do these things. Bless those who persecute you for your faith. Don't curse them. That is the opposite of what our flesh, our desires want to do. So to honor others, we bless them. What do we do when we encounter resistance with things? We get angry. We get frustrated. Oh, so. I mean, but they are in need in the same, of the same Savior that we have. We shouldn't wish evil on our enemies. Because once we were them, once we acted in the same way, maybe we're still acting in the same way. We can't hate the mission field. You can't hate the mission field. If you hate other people, you're hating the mission field. It just doesn't work. Part of blessing is with others is rejoicing with them, weeping with them. We're present in the highs and the lows. Highs and lows. And it means we're with others in those periods. It is incredibly hard to go through the loss of someone you love without other people around. But most of the time, you don't want them talking. You just want them there. Anyone knows. You just want people around. You, you don't want to hear anything. You want to be alone with your thoughts. But you want to be alone with your thoughts sitting on a couch with two other people. You know? Like, that's what you want. Because, because in the highs and the lows, we need to be with others. And being present... In that moment, 
the highs and the lows, is the greatest blessing you can give anybody. It's the greatest blessing you can give another person. It's just being present with them. Before I went on sabbatical, I would go home on Thursdays, and usually my day off's on Fridays, and I would think of all the 15 things I needed to work on before Sunday, and then I would wake up Friday morning, and I would go and I'd work, and I wouldn't be present with my family. And I know that affected them, and I know that that was my choice. I know that I was the only one that was going to stand up for me. I knew in that moment that being present with another person was the greatest blessing I could ever give them. Opening my eyes, playing with my kids, not thinking about something else, but focused and undistracted in that moment, giving them the attention they need, giving my wife the attention she needs. And I think we get lost in the fact that we've got these things in front of us. Imagine if I did a whole sermon by looking at my phone. Would it be weird? Anyone? You can say it out loud. That'd be weird, right? Okay. Yes, it'd be weird. But that's how we interact with our families. And so when you're, when you're trying to bless someone else, how do you bless someone else? By being present. Putting the phone on do not disturb. Turning it off. Which leads to my next point. To honor others, we are hum- humble. We have to be humble. Don't be too proud to hang out with other people that you think are beneath you. Paul says here, we shouldn't think that we are wise. The application is that you're actually foolish if you think you're wise. Because you're giving yourself undue importance. You don't see anyone else as as important as you. You're the person that walks into conversations and you say, well, you climbed that mountain while I climbed Mount Everest. You know, like, you're, you're the top that person. So if we're going to be humble, we realize that God is the one that gives us importance and worth. Your importance and worth, your neighbor's importance and worth, your coworker's importance and worth, your family's importance and worth, everyone's importance and worth is given to you by God, and it comes down to what we tend to do. We judge people that are less than us, but we don't realize that we're doing it. We look over at people and go, yeah. We say something under our breath. We get mad at the person that says something in front of our kids. We don't realize they probably didn't see our kids. Don't forget that our judgment is wrong. We need to see other people as God sees them. God wasn't too above us to come down here and be with us. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to associate with us, be around us. He didn't pick the best people, at least as far as what the world was saying. He picked fishermen. And if you've ever been fishing, fishermen smell, okay? Like, they're not, you don't want to be around a fisherman. They smell. It's, it's, oh. But he came to associate with us. With our circles that we're in, we don't want to be the people that don't let those people in. Those people. 
whoever those people are. When we're honoring others, that's not what we're doing. Instead, we're pointing people to the word of God and we're saying, come in, be in, be in my circle. My, my circle at, at work, okay, I'm going to talk with this person. Man, every time I talk to them, they just talk about themselves. Well, guess what? We all do that. Every time this person, uh, we all do that. Like there's things that everyone does that when someone else does it, we get so frustrated. But the reality is, We need to be wise by pointing people to the word of God. And to honor others, we live in peace. Whenever it is possible, we live in peace. Whenever it is possible, if you're going to value others and honor others, you're going to seek peace out if you can. And for some of us this morning, that might mean calling someone right after the service. For some of us this morning... That might be spending a week in prayer to figure out what you're going to say to another person. For some of us, that might mean going and driving somewhere, visiting a a friend or visiting a family member. Whenever it is possible, live in peace. There's some steps to do that. There's a simple step. We don't seek revenge. This whole thing is about we don't seek revenge. We take measures to give honor. Showing honor... Outdoing one another is actually preparation. We have to prepare our hearts and our minds to outdo each other in honor. We want to give honor to other people. We want to value people. Because I think everyone in the room has an experience where they felt unvalued. Whether it was a relationship, a family member, whatever it was. We need to take measures to give honorable. And we need to prepare for opportunities that will become honorable. Here's the bar, and this is what's scary about this whole passage. It says, do what is honorable in the sight of everyone. That's a high bar, because there's some people that you're never going to reach their bar. They're just, right, unreasonable. Do what is honorable in the sight of everybody. That's part of living in peace. The, the, The culture is lowering that bar. All you have to do is be on Twitter for like an hour, and then you're like, whoa. Honor is like, whoop, down here. All you have to do is watch the news for an hour. Whoop. Honor is down here. There's a whole industry based on showing the dishonor of others. There's a a media system that has been created. And think about it. We... are set out to do something different. We're going to be honorable in the sight of everybody. And maybe that's all you do. Maybe you leave this week, and the one thing you do is decide, I'm going to be honorable in the sight of everyone I can. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to do that as much as I can. And that's all you do. You're going to get noticed for your faith because you're doing what's honorable in the sight of others. Be so honorable that others admire you. Many families have a, a matriarch or a patriarch. And what I mean by that is, is, you know, that's the grandma, the grandpa, the dad, the mom, that when, when they're in the room, everyone knows who's in charge. And everyone looks up to that person. It's not just they're in charge, but they are, they're the person that you look up to. Families have those. Be the person that others admire. You don't have to be the matriarch or patriarch. You can be anybody that other people admire. And right here, it ends with something. 
In, in verse 18, it's like, instead of repaying evil for evil, we repay, repay others with what? What does it say earlier? With blessing. We bless those that persecute us. We bless those that do evil to us. Instead of paying, repaying evil for evil, an eye for an eye, you know, if we did that all the time, guess what? We'd all be slapping each other. If you watched Veggie Tales, there's, the, there's one about Nineveh and they're fish slappers. They talk about fish slapping. We would be slapping each other all day long. Because once one person slapped another one, we'd have to slap another one. If one said something mean to another person, they'd say another mean thing. Let's stop the cycle. Church, let's be a catalyst, a change, so that the culture is not, we just go do the same thing that I've been hurt to other people. We all have wounds from, from, from years ago. And we still struggle with them. But that doesn't mean that I take my wound and I go hurt someone else with it. That is how we show that we're living and doing everything we can to be in peace with everyone. Let's go to verse 19. I, I think this is probably one of the most full passages I've ever preached for not being a whole chapter because every single verb is a command. We're commanded. This is what we need to do. This is what we need to be. It's deeper than just an action. It's, it's about who we need to be. So starting in verse 19. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it's written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with what? What? What's the last word? Louder. What are we going to overcome? With? Okay, think about this. This verse is from Deuteronomy chapter 32. I know what woke you guys up. It's daylight savings. We're all like in like noontime, I'm ready to eat. Or we're all like way up in the morning. So to honor others, we win victory over evil with good. We win victory over evil with good. You know why this is so hard? Because winning victory over evil with good is never the short game. Term I meaning like it's never something that, that is overnight. It's never something quick. There's no shortcut to it. There's no, there's no easy way to do it. It is the long game. It's the, it's, it's, the, it's the same thing that you want in your life when you say, when I'm 65, when I'm, when I'm 80, when I'm, when, whatever age you set the bar at, when I'm 65, I want grandkids that love me. What legacy are you going to leave? And so what legacy we need to leave is one that we say, let God avenge us because he loves us. We're going to bless people because the alternative does not point anyone to Jesus. There is no one that's been pointed to Jesus by revenge. We're on this earth to worship God in one way is meeting the needs of others. We're commanded to meet the needs of our enemies rather than attack them. Think of the example of Joseph in the Old Testament where Joseph's brothers sell him into slavery and they come to him when there's a famine. They're like, we need food. And they're expecting him to seek revenge on them. And he just goes... No, this was God's plan. Now, 
I'm the second person below the Pharaoh. And now I'm in a position to give you food. We all need to be more like Joseph. We all need to, when we're wronged, do two things. Trust God and bless others. Earlier in the passage, it said to hate evil. If we hate evil, we'll overcome it with good. We'll, we'll, we'll ask the Holy Spirit to work in our lives so that we can overcome the things in our lives that, that help us to, or cause us to struggle, to honor other people. I think of the civil rights movement. And when people were walking across a bridge in Selma, Alabama, people were hitting, beating, throwing tear gas, but they didn't stop. Because they weren't marching for something that didn't matter. They were marching because they wanted everyone to have the same honor, the same respect in this entire country. And sometimes we forget about those moments because they're hard. So what? what? So, Pastor John, what are we supposed to do? What? I, I don't understand. I'm asking you to be something different than you are when you walked in this morning. And that is only because of the Holy Spirit. So I'm asking you to honor others by considering and contributing to their needs. Consider it. Spend time in, in, in here. You don't have to say anything. Spend time just thinking about the needs of others. The conference we were at this weekend, they brought up that there's many studies that have been done that you actually say in your mind 300 to 1,000 words a minute. You talk to yourself. Well, start talking about the needs of others to yourself. Start thinking about who you can help today, tomorrow. So to honor others, we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit so we can bless others and be humble. It's not natural to want to bless others. We want to go back to being in a kingdom of one where we're the ruler. I am the ruler of my kingdom God is not in the picture. We want to go back to that. So we need the Holy Spirit to be able to bless others and be humble. And so we get to this end and we see to honor others, we live in peace. You know, I, I grew up in a pretty chaotic family. And I think back and I wonder, like, if my life had been more peaceful, would it have been, I'm going to use this easier. No, but it wouldn't give me a better picture of how to be a parent and how to be a spouse. We need to live in peace to honor others, and we need to win the victory over evil with good. Don't compromise. We just talked about integrity. We, we just talked about diversity, like different people around us. Don't fall for what the world is going to tell you that if you mix a little evil in with that good, you're still good. We need to pursue God holistically our whole lives and not forget that he is the one that gives us the goals we have in life. 
I encourage you, reread this passage this week. Break it down. Like, Paul writes in such a way, verse 9 through 21, as we were studying, is one sentence in Greek, because the, the New Testament is in Greek. One sentence with a bunch of commands, with a bunch of things that we are called to be and do. And so I, I, want, I want you to know that we as a church are committed to honoring other people that may be different than us. And we're committed to being the people of God that outdo in showing each other honor. Outdo it because that is what lets our love be genuine. I'm going to pray this morning. Heavenly Father, let us take off our masks. Let us not, not be hypocritical. Let us Let us be a people that outdo each other in showing honor by by considering and contributing to other people's needs, by, by encouraging those around us. Help us to live in peace. God, if it depends on each one of us in this room, let us be in peace with each other and peace with those in the community and those we work with, do everything we can possibly to be in peace. And God, we are asking as a church that you would allow us through your Holy Spirit to overcome evil with good in everything that we do as a church. God, we know that's a big ask, but you are a big God that created us. You created us. You created the universe. So help us to be those that are, that are being the ones that are showing honor in our community, in our families, in our jobs, and in where we go to school. We say all this in Jesus' name.